Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast. This is a weekly interview show that is all about art, craft, and creativity. I produce it in the hope that it will help all of us live long and crafty lives. So let's get to it, folks. It's time to craft sanity. Welcome to episode 63 of the Craft Sanity Podcast. This week is going to be short and sweet. I'm going to bring you a brief interview with Debbie Stoller. And this is kind of a update because I interviewed her about her previous book. And this was back in oh, August of 2006. And I'll put a link to that show on the website craftsanity.com. So if you want the long story of how she became the editor and co-founder of Bust Magazine and how she got into this whole crafty way of life that she lives, you'll have to tune in to the first interview. I'm really happy because this week Debbie is going to be in town. She's coming to Grand Rapids. So I'm looking forward to meeting Debbie on Wednesday. And for any of you Grand Rapids folks or Michigan folks who don't mind a little bit of a drive, she's going to be at Schuler Books and Music on 28th Street at 6.30 Wednesday. And right before that, she's going to be at City Knitting in Grand Rapids. It's a Grand Rapids knit shop, and I'll have more information about that destination as well on craftsanity.com. So check that out. Um, Also, stick around after this brief interview to hear how you can win a copy of Debbie's newest book, which is called Son of Stitch and Bitch, 45 Projects to Knit and Crochet for Men. And it's pretty cool. It's fun. It's in the same vein as her previous books, the beginning she has a great kind of historical overview and also just some (laughs) testimonies from people who have knit for men and crocheted for men with various degrees of success and I think all of us can relate to this those of us who are crafty we like to make things for people everyone we know not just women we like to make things for men too and um, so far I can tell you the only project that I've made for my husband Jeff that he has just really really loved is a little uh, basically it's a it block, it's a little, one of those little masks that you put on your eyes to sleep and block out the light during the daytime. It's a sleep mask. And of all the things, I never imagined that that would be the thing that would knock my husband's socks off. But it's just a thing I made out of polar fleece. It's an army green, his favorite color. And I stitched in orange felt. Shh, I spelled that out. S in like three H's. It's only appealing because it's practical. It does really block out the light when he tries to sleep during the day. But anyway, Debbie's book is really cool. And she gives some great advice about how to select colors and how to size sweaters for men. So, um, yeah, without further ado, let's hear from Debbie Stoller about her new fabulous book. We were talking about The Happy Hooker, right. which is a crochet book, for those who don't know, um, in case you're wondering if we were talking about A Happy Hooker. Today, what I'd like to do is maybe give you a chance to give people a little bit of background about you. Most people know that you are, aside from being a best-selling author of all those Stitch and Bitch books that are out there that we all love, you're also the editor-in-chief and co-publisher of Bust Magazine, yep. which is where you're at right now. That's your day job. And so kind of this, the super craftiness is kind of the thing you do on the side. I'd like to give you just a chance to talk a little bit about Son of Stitch and Bitch, your latest book. What can you tell us about this book? It's a book of a whole bunch of men's projects and like cool contemporary men's projects because unfortunately there's, there's not that many men's projects out there and 
a lot of knitters, both men and women, have had the unfortunate experience of spending a lot of time making something for some dude in their life, only to have it end up at the bottom of a closet and never be worn, and sometimes even uh, lead to divorce or breakup. So with this book, I was hoping to give people a wider variety of cooler, more contemporary items to knit for men, and uh, all of the projects are boy-tested and boy-approved. I worked with a panel of men to help me choose the projects, and all of the designers were asked to work with men in their lives, and a good number of the designers are actual men themselves. So hopefully we have a group of projects here that uh, men, the male of the species, will actually wear. Yeah, and that is always the challenge. End, yeah, we can put an end to that curse of the boyfriend sweater. So for people who aren't familiar with the curse of the boyfriend sweater, well, you know, there's this myth that says that um, you should never knit something for this man in your life unless you're engaged, because otherwise it's going to end up in the result of the breakup of the relationship. I suppose. Um, if you're married, you're not going to get divorced over a bad sweater, but if you're just going out, you might break up over the heartbreak of your man not wearing something that you spend <laughs> so much time on. I really don't know. Yeah, it depends on how fragile your relationship is. You know, is. I did some research. Uh, there's a spread in the book that's about the history of men in knits. It's called the Men in Knits, the First 800 Years, because a lot of things that are considered to be women's garments now really started out, almost every knit item really started out as a, an exclusively male garment. You know, they were knit gloves, were first liturgical gloves that were just worn by the clergy. Mm-hmm. Uh, men carried pocketbooks. Uh, men wore stockings for a long time, thigh-high stockings that women most certainly were not wearing. And even sweaters were originally worn by men long before they were worn by women. But when I was going back into the history of sweaters, I found that some of the first people to wear sweaters were fishermen and other working people who really needed garments that could be stretchy so mm-hmm. they could move around. And men often had very personalized sweaters that had certain designs in it that said things about where they were from or their clan or their family or even how many children they had. And it was tradition in both Holland and certain places in Britain that a woman would begin knitting the sweater for her husband uh, on the day that they were engaged. Hmm. So then she would knit this very special sweater that he would have. And I have the feeling that maybe that's where the curse of the boyfriend sweater originates. Could be. It's, it's, uh, you probably wouldn't realize that it would have a 150-year-old history, that curse. But I think it just might. Yeah, well, yeah, you don't want to jump the gun before you have the ring on your finger, you know. <laughs> I mean, I really don't, you know, care about any of all that. But um, I do think that, you know, uh, happier relationships <laughs> can <laughs> <laughs> can happen um, between any combination of people if uh, the person who is the knittee is, you know, receptive and grateful for whatever is produced by the knitter. Right, of course. <laughs> yeah, and, well, and and you're right, though, about the, the whole lack of, of really hip patterns because men are not really, first of all, they don't usually hang out in yarn stores in great, you know, numbers and, you know, they're less likely to come home and say, honey, I saw this great pattern can you make me this sweater, you know? So you've kind of done the work for these guys because um, the women can go out, or even the hip knitter guys can go out. And um, this is great just for them, too. How wonderful is it that they can pick up a book and have a bunch of patterns that are designed for men because that's... Yeah. I mean, there are more books coming out now that have really cute patterns for men, and and I'm super happy about that. But for a long time, I think the issue was um, these sweaters were being designed from the perspective of the knitter, mm-hmm. and they would make things that would be really fun to knit, like with lots of baubles and color combinations and 
interesting things that would be interesting to do. Unfortunately, most men, if you look around you, they wear really plain stuff. So, and you can make any of these sweaters with these fancy baubles and color work and stuff, and a lot of them will just won't wear them because they just think it's too much, and it doesn't go with the relatively simple things that most men like to prefer to wear. Mm-hmm. So what I've tried to do in this book is hit a balance between, you know, projects that are interesting enough for knitters to make, but that are also somewhat straightforward enough that men would be willing to wear them. Because that's a difficult spot to hit. It is. Well, I know for my husband, he's a very challenging uh, person. He prefers um, army green mm-hmm. and brown. Um. They all like green and brown and navy blue and black. <laughs> yeah, that's so, his that's entire closet. It for most men. Yeah. Not so, all men, of course. Yeah. But. What kind of success have you had personally knitting for men in your life? I've had a really terrible experiences with knitting for men in my life. I mean, I made, like, the very first thing I made after I made something for myself, um, I made for my boyfriend, and it was, you know, supposed to just kind of be like a simple scarf, and it was in this gorgeous, like, maroon kind of yarn that I had left over from an expensive sweater that I'd made, and I thought this was, like, a great color for him, because he's kind of olive-colored, and it would have been a great color for him, and I made it for him, and he's like, never wore it. I was like, what's the deal? How come you're not wearing that scarf? He's like, oh, I would never wear purple. <laughs> I was like, it's not purple, it's maroon, and he's like, whatever, I would never wear that color, and I was like, God, man, he has colors? <laughs> like, it just never occurred to me that he had, you know, colors, but right. he just wore whatever he found, so that was an eye-opener. Then I went to knit a sweater for him that was very involved, and in fact, you know, I didn't make sure that the measurements were all right. I was just like, he's kind of large, so I made the large, or maybe I even made the extra large. I just went by the pattern. You know, fit is incredibly important to men, but I didn't check that. I was just like, he's extra large, make an extra large thing didn't fit at all. I had to keep adding all these extra strips to the sides, to the bottom, the sleeves to make the whole thing big enough. And at the end, it turned into what I call like a Franken sweater. (laughs) And he never wore that either, although really, I couldn't blame him. It wasn't until I sort of just came up with something really simple in some really luxurious yarn, you know, some fingerless gloves and a scarf that he actually like wore that. He still wears that now. But you know, the road to successful projects for men is fraught with pitfalls. For mm-hmm. Women. Mm-hmm. From getting the fit right to getting the color, or even realizing that he has a color right, to making something that you know isn't too fancy or isn't too dull, depending on his personality. Mm-hmm. Some of those things you can just ask a man to help out with. Other things I suggest ways to take measurements from a sweater that he likes, and how to alter things alter a pattern from the book so that it will fit just right. You know, don't ask him what his favorite color is because his favorite color may have nothing to do with what kind of color he likes to wear. Right, you might be talking <laughs> about like favorite car color or something, you know, or sports team. Exactly, you know. but just go by the colors that he wears if you wanted to do something that was like a secret. You know, stuff like that. Well, and the nice thing about this book, too, is, you know, I've actually showed it to the men in my life and said, you know, so what do you guys think? You know, what, mm-hmm. you know, so you're, if you're thinking about things you're making for Christmas, you can kind of just see what pages they linger on mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. what appeals to them. Because this is, there's quite a variety of different patterns in here. Some men are, are just really, really picky when it comes to sweaters. And I know my husband is one of those folks, you know. I think all men are really, really picky when it comes to sweaters. I think we're all married or in a relationship with the man that's pickiest, you know. Yeah, I think they're just, I think the, the shock 
is that a lot of women don't think that men think very much about what they wear. But, but they, fact, they do. They do. Yeah. So all of those things that they're wearing that are very simple, they, they've thought a lot about those things. And that's the, the real thing to realize is that they're <laughs> just as picky about what they wear as you are. They may end up making choices that are in a narrower range or simpler, whatever. But, you know, it's, it's just as important to men that they wear stuff that they feel really is right for them. And I think that's what women um, and maybe also male partners of other men can uh, make the mistake, make a mistake with. So the book, even in the book, like I said, you know, I had all the women work with men in their lives to design the projects. I had men help me select the, you know, they still reflect a variety of different types of men. Oh, for sure. Not every guy is downtown hipster. Not every guy is some corporate dude. I mean, I tried to get things that reflected a mix or with very small changes in colors of yarn or types of yarn could go from being something that looks a little bit hip to being something that's rather conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, from like university professor to, you yeah. know, your boyfriend who's right. kind of hanging out on the basketball court. Yeah. Yeah. And so. there are also all projects that hopefully are fun enough for knitters to knit. Some of them use, you know, really nice techniques of like knitting from the top down and you can check the fit as you're going along or others have nice simple pattern work in it or they're done in really luxurious yarns that are awesome to keep yourself busy with because men are big mm-hmm. the sweaters that you make for them are big right you're right. in for the you're in for a lot of knitting when you commit to making a sweater for men so it better be something that's going to keep your interest and you want it to be something they're going to respond with a smile at least and, and <laughs> indulge you in, and wear it you know yeah <laughs> after you yeah. spend all that up. well I'm interested in I know on page 125 you have your pattern um, high fidelity which is I a, have a couple of patterns in this book but yeah that's one of them yeah which other I must have skipped over the, which other one I have did you high do? fidelity I have checks and balances which is a yellow looks like a taxi cab oh yeah 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 mm-hmm. that's real mm-hmm. simple I have the lucky dice the lucky socks oh yeah I have yeah the dice on them and I have the hat that's called Half Pipe. Um, it's a really simple little cap hat. Yeah, my friend likes that one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he looked at that. So, did you design these with any particular people in mind? Like when you in in your life, or were these inspired? Uh, just you know, I don't. I, what it's was your inspiration? Kind of what I saw men wearing and bouncing some ideas off of my boyfriend and other men in my life. Yeah, what they thought was, sounded kind of fun or interesting. Checks and balances uh, sweaters based on one of my brother's very most favorite sweater that he wears all the time. That I thought was a good, a good easy solution to yeah. that would be very versatile for lots of different kinds of men, and fun to make also, and easy to make. Quick to make. So, what kind of feedback are you getting from uh, male knitters? I mean, if, who have seen this book, what do they think about it? Well, male male knitters are always finding things in there that they'd like to make. I also know, however, that male knitters often are going to be more willing to take on more challenging things and maybe even wear things that are more elaborate than non-knitting males mm-hmm. would wear because they're also looking for something that's going to be really fun to make. Right, right. Um, so, you know, most of the male knitters that have shown it to, they, they like it. But then what I'm also particularly interested in, I love the male knitters, but I also, but, you know, we knitters we pretty much wear anything that's knit. I mean, we appreciate the work that goes into right, it. I think right. we have a broader idea of what's acceptable knitwear um, than your run-of-the-mill person. <laughs> but I, I, I've been hearing also that, you know, earthling men, men who don't knit, also see stuff in there that they think is cool and that they'd like to have somebody in their life make for them. And that's always a thrill when you can find something that your man wants to yeah. wear. Yeah, 
because, yeah, I'm always looking for things. I'm like, what would you, what would you like? You know, I'd like to make you something. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know, you know. But <laughs> so you wanted to ask me about the high fidelity sweater? Or that yeah, I actually did. I actually did want to ask you about uh-huh. that. It's 45 record adapters are right. go across the band around the sweater and around the sleeves. And so it's kind of cool and, you know, kind of everyone loves records still, you know, most of us It still, also appeals yeah. to a certain age group still because a lot of people have no idea what the hell those things are. <laughs> I'm like, you see what this is? And they're like, I... Like that's a forty-five record adapter, and they're still like, I, 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 I don't know what they. <laughs> but but that that I guess that makes it appealing on another level too, because it kind of has that for some, the the young hipsters, you know, the people who don't know what that is, um, right. they feel like it's totally vintage, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I guess you're working on several fronts there. But are you a big-time record uh, collector, or uh, what inspired that? No, I'm that? not so much. I'm not so much. I have a sweet spot in my heart for that stuff. But I'm more uh, techno geek. You know, I, I listen to um, a lot of streaming radio. Okay. Well, it, I mean, this the thing that's cool about it though is when you see a you, you don't really see a lot of sweaters around with 45 record adapters no. going around them. So um, this is probably more appealing than the reindeer motif. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that sweater was that I thought, you know, we could do something that would look pretty much exactly like a snowflake sweater, but right. we really secretly have, have this other reference. Exactly. So, so it worked. I, I like thought it, it was really clever. I like that. Thank so, you. So, Thanks. yeah. And this is a fun book, and once again, you have put together a, a great collection, and they're also knit and crochet patterns, which is really cool. So mm-hmm. if people are crocheters, and crocheting is really come on very strong. I know since we last talked, I mean, it seems like there's so many more crochet books out. So the crocheters are finally getting their share of patterns out there. And you kind of just split the difference in your book by including both, which was cool. Yeah, well, you know, I'm bicraftual, so yeah. <laughs> shouldn't everybody be? <laughs> yeah, that's really awesome. And, and you're going to be in Grand Rapids. I am looking forward to it. And I'm also especially looking forward to taking a little run over to Holland, Michigan. Yeah. I've never been there, and I'm Dutch. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah you'll like Holland. Yeah, you have a Dutch theme park is just the most exciting thing. <laughs> yeah, Windmill Island, you know, you'll get to go over there oh, and maybe get some wooden wait. shoes. Yeah, you'll, wait. you'll have fun. You'll have a lot of fun. <laughs> One of the other things I want to ask you about is just the whole craft movement. I know we talked about this a little bit, and, and from your, your excellent perch over there at Bus Magazine, uh-huh. and as you guys kind of continue to cover, you know, the hip trends and so forth, where do you think this craft movement is headed next? Oh, God. I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, I just don't know. I really, I honestly do not know. We've been, we've been publishing craft projects and bus for a decade now. We started in 1997, and um, you know, I don't know. I just don't know. Macrame. I don't know. What can I? You think macrame is the next bet? No. Colonial craft. Yeah, being over the fireplace. I, 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 I. Well, one of the things that's interesting is that you know a lot of people have said, you know, this is just a fad. It's going to fade out. People aren't going to be making things by hand. And I'm just thinking to myself, I don't really see it just completely waning because it seems like people really seem to have rediscovered it, or they've been doing this their whole life, and they just people are really enjoying themselves. It seems like. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's got. I think it's going to be around for a while. I hope so. Well, it'll be really fun to meet you in person. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to coming out to Grand Rapids. Yeah, I think that's going to be fun. What's next for you? Do you have another craft book underway? There's going to be, yeah, I'm going to be working on my next book pretty soon, but that's a secret for now. Okay, okay. Are you going to be looking for submissions? Um, I already have a whole bunch. So okay. Probably, but I have, I have most of that stuff all wrapped up already. All right, so how soon? About a year or two? Or? Yeah, probably about a year. 
Okay. Well, that'll be exciting. So we'll okay. we'll look for that. Thank you so much for your time. Sure. I really do appreciate Thanks it. For talking to me. Okay. Talk to okay. you later. Bye. Bye. Okay. So yeah, that was much shorter than usual. Can you believe it? So anyway, the details. You probably want to know how you can win a book. First, I'm going to tell you who won last week's contest. Kathleen in Germany was selected randomly as the Craft Leftovers winner. So Kathleen will get an excellent kit in the mail very soon. Um, it'll actually be the subscription for the December uh, Craft Leftovers Monthly. Kristen does this fantastic. Um, she was last week's guest, and she does a fantastic job. Okay, so here's how you, dear listener, can get in on this next contest. If you want to win a copy of Son of Stitch and Bitch, 45 Projects to Knit and Crochet, the folks over at Workman Publishing have graciously donated a book for you to win. It's kind of the same routine. Just post a comment on the blog, and what I'd like you to talk about is just what your experience has been knitting for men. If you've never knit for men, that's fine. Just say something on the subject there's something that terrifies you about it or if there's some reason why you've never tried it or if you know of any situation or story where you've had maybe things go awry it seems like we always seem to enjoy each other's stories about things going awry I don't know what that says about us as a society but you know so anyway I would love it if you would just post a comment about knitting for men or crocheting for men any kind of crafting or homemade projects that were intended for a man and tell us how that went Post your comment at craftsanity.com below the write-up about Debbie and this episode. And on the main blog page, I just do a little short like paragraph. Um, and then if you click the learn more, there's a little link that says read more or learn more. Click that and you can uh, get to the full write-up. And you also find a pattern from the book because the folks at Workman, once again, have graciously allowed me to reproduce the ski beanie pattern by Tara Jameson, which is included in the book. And it's a really cool pattern for just a basic little ski hat. And it's it looks like it would knit up really fast. I'm hoping so, because I plan to make a couple of these. It'd be nice to have a couple made before Christmas. Check that out. The link is going to be at craftsanity.com. And just click on the show notes for the episode 63, and you'll find that. Okay, now back to winning the book. Basically, just leave your comment. If you could copy your comment into an email and send that to me with your snail mail address so I can get that book to you, should you be selected as a lucky winner? I guess um, one last thing. Uh, if you want to stick around after the show, I have a couple comments in the after show to uh, share with you all. Nothing earth-shattering, but, you know. Anyway, in the meantime, the rest of you, get back to those uh, handmade Christmas presents. Okay, folks. I'll see you next week. In the meantime, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me. Thanks for listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast with Jennifer Ackerman Haywood. Visit CraftSanity.com for more information about today's guests and links to subscribing to the podcast. Want to support the show? Follow the link to vote for Craft Sanity on Podcast Alley once a month. You can also make a donation or buy goods at the Craft Sanity store. Have a suggestion for a future guest or have other feedback? Email Jennifer at CraftSanity.com. Thanks again for listening to Craft Sanity. I just want to update you guys on a couple things. I got a new sewing machine. I got it in October, and I haven't told you yet. I can't believe this, but I've barely been able to use it. But I got a Janome, uh, the Memorycraft 3500, which is 
fantastic to use. I just have to say that. It's wonderful. Um, it was kind of a Christmas and October party. Uh, my husband's grandparents go to Florida every year, and uh, he kind of sly, on the sly, he uh, kind of joined forces with them to um, chip in on the sewing machine. And um, the sewing machine, I don't know exactly how much it costs, but yeah, really surprised me. I was not expecting that. So I am very, very happy to have received this machine because it is, um, it, in one hand, I was like, oh, well, I didn't get to go and try out all the machines and pick the one that was perfect for me. But then at the same time, I was kind of relieved because I'm like, I don't really have time to do that. I, <laughs> unless they were mailing these machines to my house and sending a babysitter along with each machine to watch my children so I could test them all out. There was no way I was going to be able to test out all the machines I had hoped to. I didn't make it to the Sewing Expo in Novi in September, so I really was out of luck. So anyway, this machine is fantastic. It's so quiet compared to my other Singer Industrial Strength machine, and it just handles better and has lovely functions, um, many of which I have not had the time to try out. But I have been sewing still. Um, my sewing binge continues. I made some crayon aprons yesterday for my daughters, and I have one more to make for my niece. They're those cute aprons that um, hold crayons. You can fit a 24-pack of crayons um, in little pockets along the bottom of the apron. And I didn't have a pattern for this, but I saw it in a couple mail order catalogs and I just thought you know what I'm gonna make this well you know I'm like you guys I mean we see things and we want to make it ourselves so I, that's what I did and I'm working on those I'll post pictures on my blog once I get them completed anyway I really am digging this machine I love it Janome rocks and no they're not a sponsor but I just thought I'd say that because I honestly believe it <laughs> it's a great machine um, the only bummer about it is that I couldn't find the bobbin I thought I could find bobbins anywhere, you know, just run over to one of the big box craft stores and buy the bobbins, but no, you have to get them from specialty sewing stores. So that was the only drag so far. Um, also, I need to make a confession, too. I'm trying to, uh, this year, I'm talking about, haven't completely signed my name in blood on this one yet, but I am seriously considering going on a craft diet next year. Uh, make no mistake, that does not mean I will be not, I will not be crafting. What it means is I will not be buying craft supplies. I will be trying to use my yarn up, use my fabric, use the things I have, because I do have an abundance of stuff. I'll go and I'll buy things, and I don't have time to use all this stuff, so I end up stockpiling things I don't need. And so what I'm trying to do is use up the stuff I have and I've kind of gotten started with that now. Of course, my one confession is I, of course, couldn't pass up the Black Friday deal at Joann's where you could get this huge thing of 100 spools of thread that normally sells for about 150 bucks, and I got it for, I think it was on sale for 79 I did not set foot in the store because I hate going shopping on the day after Thanksgiving, and I can't remember the last time I did that. It was a nightmare the last time I tried to do that, and... I just ended up hating myself for it. So um, I stayed home this year, and I ordered. Um, actually, I didn't even order that on a Friday. It was a Saturday sale, so I got a, I got this thread. It has not arrived yet. It was a free shipping deal, so I got it for free shipping. I mean, it's ridiculous to spend that much money on thread, but I sew a lot, and um, you know, you you can pay over two dollars a spool, 
So I did the math and I figured, okay, this should get me through. And I am a little bit nervous because I'm thinking, how am I really going to make it through the next year with no new craft supplies? I mean, can I do that? Uh, I think there are going to be a few, um, you know, um, rules I'm going to have to make, uh, guidelines that I write a craft column now for the Grand Rapids Press, uh, which has been just a fantastic career development that I didn't think was ever going to happen. I know a lot of people go to J School for journalism there, and they don't, you know, they think Pulitzer. I'm thinking craft column. Um, I don't know what that says about me, but um, for me, this is kind of my, um, I feel like I've achieved what I set out to do, uh, become a craft columnist. Um, well, that's an exaggeration. I still wouldn't mind a Pulitzer, but you know what I mean. As far as uh, day-to-day operations, this is very, makes me very happy. But anyway, um, since I'm writing this craft column, I, I told my husband that there are going to be times when I'm going to need to go and get supplies to try out the projects that I publish every week with my craft column. And so I'm setting some parameters there where if it's work-related, um, I'm going to have some leeway. But I'm going to have to make sure that I'm good about getting, making a list, getting in there, getting exactly what I need, and then getting out. And not thinking, oh, wow, that's cute, or that fabric looks fantastic. Because I can't, I can't do that because I'm you know, a sucker for a great sale. And while I can afford to buy a yard or two of fabric here and there, it's just not good if I'm trying to kind of get organized and use what I have. So I'm trying really hard not to be the old lady that kicks off um, and has like an abundance of stuff that just gets like thrown into a trash bin. I want to kind of start using what I have now. So I'll be talking to you guys more about my craft diet as the weeks leading up to the new year unfold. Um, I'm thinking I was pretty successful with losing weight this year. Uh, so I really was able to make a lifestyle change in that regard. Hoping to do the same as far as uh, organization and of my house and just paring down and simplifying my life. So I know I've heard a lot of you out there and I've read a lot of blogs about people who've done just that and I'm inspired. So I'm going get, to get going on that front. Um, the other thing is I started a craft club at the Grand Rapids YMCA and I'm very excited about that. And um, I'll update you a little more on how that is going as well. But it's been a lot of fun. And um, I just heard the garage door go up, and my family's coming back in, so it's going to get really loud. So I'll tell you more about the craft club next week. But if any of you live in the Grand Rapids area, we meet at the David D. Hunting YMCA every Tuesday night from 6.30 to 8, and you're all welcome to come. Email me, jennifer at craftsanity.com, if you want more information about that. So anyway, uh, that's it for this week. I'll talk to you later. Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me.